0: what we need to understand is God is with us and God may be in the idea you have. Mm -hmm. The only way you'll know that is to step out and trust and go for it. And if I was to look at all of my life, that's what I've done every time. Orton Towers, Youth for Christ, Hope 08, The Queen. It may be that God's in this. I'm gonna push it to the nth degree And if God comes through, I look back and think, God, you were in that, it was amazing. But even if he wasn't, God's still with you.
1: welcome everybody this is simon gilbert with inspired it's great to be back for another fantastic week i love the range of guests we get on this and um if you're new to us basically inspired is all about counteracting the relentlessly grim depressing anxiety uh, bringing narrative that we're bombarded with through the news by introducing you to a range of mates of mine from all sorts of different walks of life and this week i have no doubt you inspired we've got a fantastic brother his name is roy crown welcome roy
0: welcome simon uh, it's great to be on your podcast simon thank yeah. you for the invite
1: well it's so good to have you mate and uh, what's funny is that roy can't you remember the first time we met which was i think in about the year 2000 it was um, rob frost some of you remember him he was a great evangelist um uh, with the Methodists, and he organized this thing called was it easter people and I think it was either in Torquay or in He organised. We were like bombing around to different venues. And I, I was literally in a twin bed with Roy. And uh, it was a defining experience for me to spend the night with him. But he can't even remember it. So there you go. Anyway, Roy, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing very well. The, the great thing about my memory is I forget those kind of traumatic moments. They don't live on in my memory, Simon. So... Uh, you obviously still recall that. That is phenomenal.
1: Anyway, Roy, uh, at the time you were in charge of YFC, um, Youth for Christ, in, uh, in the U- UK. Um, we'll, we'll come to that. Um, you've got loads of fantastic stories to share. I don't want to sort of preempt anything. Let's just get into crack into your background. You're in Hackney Boy, aren't you?
0: Yeah, I was born in Hackney under the sound of bow bells. My mum was a seamstress. There used to be this... Guy that would turn up on a Monday morning with a load of material. Mm -hmm. And then on Friday, he would turn up and walk away with 20 suits that my mum would produce of the finest quality. And my dad was a Fleet Street printer. So he used to print every night uh, the Daily Mirror. And so I was right in the core of Cockneyville. Uh, rhyming, slang, all of that. I was born, actually, in the Hackney Hospital, Simon. Okay.
1: Well, I can picture it because I lived in Bow just for a year when I was doing uh, the Proclamation Trust Bible course there, Corn Hill. So I used to cycle oh, yeah. in off the Roman Road. I used to cycle across London Bridge. So familiar with the area. Um, did you have any sort of Christian upbringing?
0: No. Actually, my brother went to Sunday school once and didn't like it. So right. my parents never sent me. Um we were a typical London family, but we then moved out of Hackney to a place called Boreham Wood. And that was where my life dramatically changed with uh, an individual. I was at school. I was 15. I got moved. Can you believe this? To sit next to a Christian as a punishment. (laughs) Go on. Because... Well, I would, to this day, the teacher, I felt we could discuss this particular issue. She was convinced we weren't allowed to discuss this. So as a punishment, I didn't only get moved in that one lesson. For the rest of the term, I got moved to sit next to this Christian. Now, he was the only Christian that I knew. Mm-hmm. And he saw it as his mission in life to convert me. I mean, Simon, he, he wasn't a cool guy. Right. And that was the thing. He was a bit of a... Well, he kind of wore the cagoule and was a bit strange in real terms. I was a bit of a cool guy. And and he said, the trouble with you, Crownie, now I don't like being called Crownie. My name is Roy Crown, uh, but it does have an E on the end. <laughs> but everybody in my life, Simon, has always called me Crowny. Right. And my two boys are also called Crowny. And my grandchildren are called Crowny as well. I don't know what it is about it, but the just the Crowny thing just just works. I remember when I got married, Simon, and uh, somebody had said to me, if you have a baby and it's a girl, you need to call her Roseanne. <laughs> Rose and Crown. Anyway, so <laughs> what... <laughs> I said I'd have to wait for your gag. Sorry,
1: slow to it. <laughs> Brilliant. Listen, you're digressing. Get back to the story.
0: So, what happened is he said to me, The trouble with you, Crownie, is you have no guts because you're not prepared to face up to the claims of Jesus Christ. And no one had challenged me in that way. So, to cut a long story short, he invited me on a Christian camp in the summer. He lied to me. That's not good. And the reason he lied to me, he used a word that I had a different meaning for. He said it would be fun. Right. And his idea of fun and my idea of fun as a 16-year-old were completely different. But I have to say, I encountered the risen Jesus Christ. It was a scary moment in a place called Poles Eve in Cornwall, and he totally transformed my life. I, I have to say that I encountered something supernatural. I discovered what it was like to be forgiven. And I was just talking to God like I'm talking to you. Uh-huh. But the Spirit of God came into my life. Listen, let me tell you, within two weeks, I'd read the entire Bible from no background at all. It was just such a dramatic moment. It transformed my relationship with God, but it also transformed my relationship with my parents, with my brother, with the school that I was in. It 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 just was amazing, Simon. Jesus is amazing.
1: Beautiful. Uh, you talk about some school assembly being significant, was it?
0: So what happened is in reading the New Testament, I started to realize that we're on a mission. Mm-hmm. And I was in the final year of school uh, at the school that I was at, uh, which... If I wanted to do sixth form, we had to go to a different school in the one that I was in. And so I thought, well, now I've got to tell everybody about this encounter. So I went and saw the headmaster. It's the first time I'd ever gone and seen him without an invitation. And (laughs) I said, I'd like to take a school assembly. He said, why? I said, because Jesus has come into my life and transformed my life. Mm -hmm. He said, what you want to tell the entire school and I I just thought I was on a mission so that was the only way I could communicate and the only other Christian that I knew of in our school was David the guy that I got to sit next to in class and so he said I'll need to contact other staff came back to me a week later and he said yes you can take a school assembly actually Roy said you can take two he said I don't like doing them And I said, I don't want to do two. (laughs) He said, well, if you're going to do one, you've got to do two. And I basically told my story. And I realized then that you can believe in your heart, but once you confess with your mouth, it changes everything. And and my friends that were friends, that changed. Everything changed as this 16-year-old lad. And I... I also came away from that. I mean, I was scared to death. I mean, like, going public in that, I was crazy. It was just madness. But I just felt, God, this is what I got to do. And it was kind of in my DNA. It was like, this is what I thought everybody did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tell you, Simon, it changed every relationship when I went public. Teachers, my mates didn't become my mates, they shifted. And then I went to a church and grew a youth group from the response in the assembly. So that was my first two weeks of Christian sharing faith was a school assembly.
1: Brilliant. So <laughs> have, pe- have people often called you a, a bull in a china shop?
0: <laughs> no, I think I've changed a little bit over the years. <laughs> but- i think initially i was just passionate about what god had done in my life the transformation was so real yeah that uh, it was kind of like this is what you do this is what it means and uh, i have to say that when you do go public about your faith everything changes. It, it, you know, I'm not saying you need to do a school assembly or anything, but, but just talking Jesus in conversation, it changes, life changes. And so, yeah, I, you could say that, but I was only going to be in the school a couple of three months. I actually walked away from that school, which was nothing short of a miracle with the headmaster's prize. And I asked for a Bible mm. and, A month before, I never would have believed that would have been me. My dad just couldn't handle what had happened in my life. It was just so dramatic.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask uh, parents' reaction. Were they overall glad for it?
0: Um, Glad would be an interesting word. Um, I think they were pleased with the change of direction that I am going to, but then I was totally consumed with it. Mm -hmm. So I then started to lead a youth group in the church, which just consumed me. And we grew that in two years to 80 young people. It was just, and every Friday we had it Mm -hmm. in this brethren church that I was part of in a place called Boreham Wood. And um, I would always do the God slot because I thought that's what you needed to do. So. The reason I read the Bible and got into praying all the time is because this God slot was coming every Friday. So I had to have something to say and do. And uh, yeah, it was. It, looking back, God's hand was all over it. My parents respected me later in life, not initially. They were pretty shocked at the transformation, Simon.
1: All right. Any great stories that stick out from that time as a teenager over the youth?
0: Well, I think one key story was as a teenager, no church upbringing. Okay, so I'd never been in a church Mm -hmm. to understand how different that is. And I just thought in the Bible, read the Bible. Now, I didn't fully understand it all, but I'd read it in two weeks and I knew that church was part of this as well. So I went to a local church, just my local church down the road which was a Brethren church. Uh Now, those of you that don't know, a Brethren church, back in the day, they would all sit round the table, which would have bread and wine on it, and there was no music. Uh So I rocked up to this church. I saw the time on the board, rocked up at like 10.30, and as soon as I walked in, I realized I didn't have the right uniform on. (laughs) I had jeans and a T-shirt. And all these people were booted and suited and looked very smart. And I thought, oh, oh, I don't fit here. But I sat there. There was no one my age there Mm -hmm. in this thing either. So I just sat there, but nothing was happening, Simon. So everybody was quiet. So I thought, well, maybe I should say something. So I stood up. And told them what had happened to me in the summer,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and there were women nudging men, and and who is this lad? Where's he come from? And then they kicked him with a song a Cappello. and I'm like, my word, what is happening now? <laughs> and then the bread and the wine, and they explained that you couldn't take the bread and the wine unless you'd been baptized. Well, I hadn't been baptized, mm-hmm. but I'd certainly met Jesus. So I thought, well, I don't know what baptism is, but um, anyway, so that experience as a teenager, mm. so I was walking out of the church thinking, I'm not sure I'm going to come back here. Mm. And this one guy came and he just said, oh, you're a breath of fresh air. Thank you so much for coming. Do come back. And, and I just said, I'm not sure I'm going to come back. He said, no, you must come back. We need people like you. And he also told me they had two teenage daughters that he was quite keen for me to meet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but that church, I did stay with it. They allowed me to set up the youth group. They allowed me to just – I have to say that they did some stuff that I didn't get, but – they loved me. They actually supported me massively during Morelands. I mean, it, it was a great experience. But initially I thought, what have I joined? Yeah. What is this? Um, so that was one. And the second was um, during that time, just seeing my peers encounter Jesus
2: mm-hmm.
0: was just like, hey, this works. This is this is amazing. And in my, you know, I wasn't a brilliant preacher. I don't know that I, I, I used the Bible. I quoted what Jesus has done and just offered an invitation. And, and you just think, wow, that's it. That's all we need to do, really. And, and so as a teenager, that was what drove me. It, it was like, wow, this is amazing. And if you've never done that, you need to do that because he's, he's inviting you. Hey, sorry, the evangelist in me says, ask Jesus into your life. It'll transform everything.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you're quickly seeing that you've got the gift as an evangelist. Um, Whether
0: I've got the gift or not, I'm not sure, Simon, but I was going public about my faith. (laughs) Go on. So what were next steps after school? Um, So the next day I went, I did engineering and uh, worked on Krypton tuning equipment and... All of my life outside of that was the youth group and church and all of that space. And then when I was completing that, I thought, I'm not sure I want to do this for the rest of my life. Is there a way that I could just talk about Jesus for the rest of my life? So I went to the elders in the church that I was in and said, what do you think I should do with my life? Which they hadn't had before. Uh And they were like, oh, that's an interesting. They said, why don't you go and study theology? They'd obviously let me preach a few times and thought I needed some uh, help. And I went to Moreland's, Uh um, took a big step. That was a big challenge for my dad because I was doing quite well in what I was doing. And then I totally stopped and went and studied theology. And my dad as a Fleet Street printer, was proud of what I was doing. And then he had to tell his mates. Yeah. And my dad and my son's now gone to Vicar Factory to train to be a pastor. And he said, son, you've just messed up. Well, what I've now got to talk about faith to people that... And it was just fascinating to see the way that happened. So I went to Morelands, did theology for three years, and um, yeah.
1: Is that when YFC talent spotted you and said uh, we want you on our team
0: well it was it was an interesting time I left Morelands <clears throat> went into a church for a while and discovered that really wasn't my space right and I just thought oh, I can't do this local pastor thing I said the people that do it are amazing but it's just not my it doesn't doesn't excite me and enthuse me it's not what god created me for so i thought i'm just going to step down from that so i stepped down it's probably six to nine months and then i just thought i'm not going to apply for another job and then the then national director was a guy called clive calver Mm
2: -hmm.
0: had an evangelist called eric delve and he was looking for two young evangelists So he had two names to put forward, and we were both interviewed. One was called J. John, Mm -hmm. and the other was called Roy Crown. And we were both taken on by Eric. So Eric would do the main preaching, and we would do all the small meetings around that. Right. When he went to a town and and did a mission, And, and I thought, oh, this is fantastic. This is what... I was created for, this is like, I just rock into a school, do an assembly, do a scripture, uh, SU, uh, do open airs. I just was like, ah, oh, this is me, this is great. And I remember Jay John saying to me, um, we had a conversation and he said, um I don't know what you're gonna do, but I'm gonna be the evangelist to the UK. Right. So I'm like, oh, uh, so you're saying, what do I do? And I just thought then, well, the best thing I can do is to mobilize 150 evangelists. If you want to do that, then, and that kind of dropped into me, how can I find, recruit and invest? And that's what gave me the most excitement. So yes, I'm a passionate evangelist, but I'm also equipping and mobilizing people and that in the space of use for christ was amazing so jay john we worked for a couple of years he then stepped out uh, to develop the philo trust and continue his ministry i stayed in use for christ um on mobilizing people in year-out programs and all those kind of things.
1: Brilliant, which is what Ephesians 4 talks about, doesn't it? The gift for the evangelists. It's not just yeah. to evangelize, it's to equip God's people to do it, to multiply yourself out. I love it that you've done that over a number of decades. Um, go on, give us give us your, you just, your best stories from YFC days.
0: Well... Obviously, I, I worked, there's a lot of years there. I worked yeah. for YFC for 28 years. I was national vet for 13 years. Probably my best, well, there's a number, there's so much, Simon. But one was walking around Alton Towers, uh-huh. which is probably the highest paying youth attraction in the UK. And I was walking around there with a colleague. We went to see it, to just think, this is where young people are. Like 60,000, it's just like, they all come here. What we need here is a Christian experience. And I'm like, that's what we need. You see, the entrepreneur in me is always thinking, go to where people are, but but do it differently. So we're walking around and we're chatting, and there's a ride called Oblivion, mm-hmm. which You don't see too many people going on because, you know, it's a scary ride. It's got a sign that if you're of a certain age, you've got a heart condition, you're pregnant, don't ride on this ride. But as it kicks you out at the end, there's a chapel there. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, well, there's nothing in the chapel. And I thought we could put a Christian experience in the chapel. We could be on this site as a Christian presence And I remember saying this to my colleague, and we dreamt of what we could do, that they come off this ride, which is one of the most popular rides in the Towers. It leads right to the front door of the chapel. You could go in, stand on some pods and change what was on the screen. So if you step on this pod identity, it will change what's on the screen. If you step on this pod faith, it will change what you, so as you put your physical presence on a, a pod, you you then project it up on the screen. Then you could go back at, at the end of the chapel and we can have a diary room. Now we're going back a little bit here. You could have a diary room where you could upload your experience on the towers on faith identity social action and bible those were the four that we had Uh and i just thought it'd be great to build this experience here and i was just kind of dreaming praying the spirit and i thought well i've got to go and do something so i then asked the leader of the two swords group of which the towers is a part Uh if i could come and meet him Uh and which is, like, that's what you've got to do. If you've got an idea, you never know whether it's going to flourish. It may be a god idea. It may just be a good idea. But you've got to put legs on it to yeah. see. So he said, yeah, I can come. Now, obviously, I'd worded the letter that we were in touch with 50,000 young people a week in schools. We were a Christian organization. We do this. This is what we do. And he, he gave me 20 minutes of his time. hmm And I said, you don't have a Christian experience in Orton Towers. And he said, no, the reason we don't have a Christian experience is because it's a fun (laughs) (laughs) park," Implying Christianity doesn't have anything to do with fun. So I said, look, this is what I want to build in the chapel. He said, that's really interesting. He said, because we can't use the chapel for anything that is not Christian. Hmm. So he said... That's really interesting. He said, I'll tell you what, I'll let you do it for three years. He said, but the park is shut for six weeks in this period of time. You've got to build it within six weeks and you've got to deliver it. I came out of his office and I thought, oh, no, I don't even know if I can build it. Mm-hmm. I have no money. And we put a loose budget of 350000 on it. All right. So I walked away, put an application to one trust, and said, "This is the idea. This is what I want to do." Sixty thousand people come through the park, da 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 da, and they came back to me and they said, "Roy, we have never had such a crazy idea. Mm -hmm. Here's the three hundred fifty thousand
1: pounds. Come on,
0: you can go and do it. Fabulous." But then I still I didn't know whether I could do it. I had designers. And the miracle was it happened. We had thousands of people every season go through it, upload it. People came to faith that God, when you get a crazy idea, it may be God. And looking back now, we put a team on site all during the season. There was relationships and we were right in the middle. I remember a radio show up in the area where Orton House is, saying exactly the same thing as what the managing director said. You've put a Christian experience in a fun park. Yeah. What are you doing? So that was probably a massive highlight yeah. in, in Years for Christ. And another massive highlight was when I took it over, It it was in a bit of a sorry state. And I have to say that... We had a building, we had an cumulative deficit, but I just felt God had called me to do this for such a time as this. Mm-hmm. And I had some fantastic friends that came alongside me and, and said a few things, of The first thing they said was, we believe in you,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which is really important. Yeah. And the second thing they said was, we're going to help you. Hmm. And- and there are so many people in life that want to help you succeed if you ask for help. And mm. and getting people alongside you that believe in you gives you confidence to, to keep going when it's tough. Because probably that hardest year was the hardest year that I took over in National director Youth for Christ. Because we had to prune, we had to cut back, we, we had to deal with some significant issues and that's not anything to do with the previous national director it just lost its way a bit and and god did something amazing so it was a privilege to be part of it simon and i've given you the great story and probably the one of the hardest years of my life was the first year story as Mm, well yeah because life's like that it is it is
1: Hi, folks. I hope 2024 has got off to a good start. I think most of you know this podcast comes out on the auspices of Great Lakes Outreach working in Burundi, which is still annoyingly the hungriest and poorest country in the world. And there are so many positives. I mean, I, I look, look back at the last year, see that we've impacted a couple of hundred thousand people in a very meaningful way. I've got all these lovely photos of prostitutes that we've helped get out. Prostitution giving them a new skill as tailors. I think of street kids that we've helped get off the streets of microfinance loans that we've given out to the poorest of the poor people, mainly widows who've managed to start up businesses and, and are now thriving, being lifted out of poverty. Mud huts that have been able to knock down and build sort of brick houses with a tin roof and a door that can be locked to actually protect these vulnerable ladies. So many people have come into a relationship with Jesus, come to faith. I mean, it's absolutely beautiful. In that context, at the same time, there've been 40% food price rises of basic foodstuffs and they've been five hikes in the last three months of fuel which just adds up to crippling inflation that affects everybody it's so challenging so if you want to back us if you're enjoying the podcast i'd really appreciate it you you sewing into the work and that's so you can go do that at greatlakesoutreach.org forward slash inspired we'd love it for you to journey with us greatlakesoutreach.org forward slash inspired and keep enjoying the podcast now let's get back to it I love it when I'm going around speaking when someone will come up and, for example, recently a, a lady came up to me and she said, I, I heard you when I was 11 years old and now I'm a vicar uh, in church leadership. And, and uh, you know, have you got, got, the, got those encouragements?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it is amazing the privilege when you've been around as long as you and I. Now I've probably been around a bit longer than you, Simon, I don't know. Yeah, yeah a few um, decades, mate. how old Um, are you how old am i that's a big question i'm 66
1: okay yeah well you got 16 years on me that's almost two decades oh well that's a
0: lot that's a lot you've got loads to do yet yeah but i tell you there is no greater privilege when like you say you remember that story somebody came up to me recently and said i came to faith and i'm now running this significant lawyer's practice Through you, but I'm also now a trustee of the Message Trust, Mm -hmm. and you just think, what a privilege that you have some small part to play in someone's life, and then God gets hold of them and and change the direction of their life and the values and who they are and what they stand for, and there's no greater privilege um, than. Doing what we do. Yeah, it's got a lot of stuff around it and all that. But speaking into people's lives, whether it's preaching or one-on-one conversation, and I could catalog hundreds, maybe thousands, or I don't want to be arrogant, hmm. of people that would say, Roy Crown had a part to play in what I'm now doing. And, and I think planting those seeds, we can all do it. You never know what god will do with what you've planted in someone's life yeah it's amazing
1: oh well we love yfc uh, in fact we helped launch yfc in burundi 23 years ago and it's got fabulous work out in burundi um and we've had gav calver i think you mentored into the role to take over from you we've had phil Knox on yeah. and, and we're now cheering on neil O'Boyle in the role so god bless yfc but that was a chapter and that was a significant one—twenty-eight years of your life but then yep. the lord moved you on why did he move you on
0: well I think it's critical as a leader. I always had this view that you stay in leadership for 10 years is a kind of decade. And then you really need to think, Lord, do I stay here or do a move on? Because mm-hmm. I just feel it's good for you as a leader to have a brand new challenge. It's sometimes always good for the ministry to have new blood and new ideas and fresh vision. So I always thought I would give 10 years. In the end, I gave 13 years because it just didn't work out as it was working out. But I was then going to kind of go and be a bit of a missionary. But Mike Pellamachi and uh, Andy Hawthorne and I were just doing some things together. And we had a dream. Mm -hmm. So we did some projects that was so significant one was soul in the city one was festival manchester and then we dreamt up a project called hope 08 which is basically how can we mobilize the whole church for a whole year of mission in both words and actions and the synergy of doing acts of kindness and preaching the gospel and holding the tension of both Hmm. and it was an amazing year it was something god breathed on It, it was phenomenal
1: That was
0: 2008, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah.
1: Brilliant, remember that. Yeah, so Um, go on, how did it pan out?
0: And it panned out, we did an evaluation of it, areas, they came together, They church worked together, and and we always thought, God, are we the right people to do this? We're not really leaders, we're all leading youth organisations, but there was just a sense of, if we don't do it, who's going to do it? So let's have a go. Mm -hmm. And... God did something amazing. At the end of that, we had a full evaluation, and they just said this can't stop. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, but it was for a year. And and it, it's not over. It's now over to you. And I remember a gathering at Westminster where Bishop Graham Cray, leader of the Methodists, various people were saying, This cannot stop. You've got us to work together, keep going. And then we went away for 24 hours just to see if we'd heard from the Lord. And they all said, Roy, why don't you lead this? And I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. I was going to go and be a missionary. I was going to go and serve missions. And just somebody in me said, yeah, why wouldn't I lead this? And he had no money. We'd, We'd even got rid of the database. Everything was shut down. And I just thought, Lord, if you're in this, Let's go again. And I then took on a brand new role. I, I invited all of them to become my board members, including Steve Clifford, who was a saint and just a statesman and was then the National Director of Evangelical Alliance. Uh-huh. And it was just an amazing ride, Simon. We, we saw God do some phenomenal things because what I then thought is how do we build a rhythm of mission into the church around Easter and Christmas? How do we serve our community? So fun days in the park, all of that came off the back. But what came off the back of Hope 08 is we accelerated so many ministries. So you you see food banks came off, street pastors, they all accelerated because the church moved out into the community and discovered we can serve all these things. So it was just a such, an it was a God thing. God was all over it, and it was a privilege to be part of it. But then I thought, now what we're going to do? And I, I did that rhythm and mission, but then I prophetically saw certain things that were going to be significant.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So in 2014... I realised that it was the centenary of the First World War and they sung Silent Night
2: uh-huh.
0: and they stopped shooting on Christmas Day. And I thought, hey, that's what the church needs to capitalise on. Uh-huh. And we had carol services in football stadiums. We, we, it, it was just like, here's a moment in society that the gospel can be preached. Yeah. And the Silent Night song and Sainsbury's God bless them mm-hmm. decided to make their Christmas advert all about that event. Brilliant. So it was just like, Lord, this is so exciting and my entrepreneurial gift meant that I saw these things coming and thought that's a great moment for the church yeah. to, to talk the gospel, but society going to recognize it. The queen, uh, her diamond jubilee.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We did a New Testament around that time, which was, you probably know at the coronation, she was given a Bible and King Charles was given a Bible saying the highest honor that man's afford is this Bible. Mm-hmm. So I thought we need to produce a Bible a New Testament with the Union flag on it. And I remember my board saying, how many do you think we'll get rid of I said, I don't know. Let's do 50,000. Mm-hmm. We did three quarters of a million. Love it. And it just was given out in schools instead of a mug. Grandparents did it. They had parties in the park and a lunch, and it was given at all those. But it was phenomenal. And I just realized, hey, everybody loves the Queen. Yeah. So then we did another little project. I mean, my entrepreneur. So when she was 90, Mm -hmm. I realized that would be so significant. So I thought, they're going to be talking about her all over the place, but who's going to tell her Christian faith? Yeah. Who's going to talk about her personal faith in Christ? So we produced a book with LICC and Bible Society, which Mark Green and Catherine Butcher wrote.
2: Yeah.
0: But the idea. I just the idea, I get the right people in the room. And, and so I said, let's produce this. And we came up with the title, They Did, Not Me, The Servant Queen and the King She serves. Yeah. And we produced this book and we did over a million copies. Beautiful. And it just went everybody. It was a beautiful book. It was all about her faith. And great story, Simon. So she's turning up. <clears throat> Around Easter, you probably know she gives out on Maundy Thursday. Mm-hmm. Every year she goes to a cathedral and gives out. And the cathedral contacted me, she's coming, she's doing it in Leicester. We'd like to give this book out to everyone. Mm-hmm. And so they ordered the book, they gave it out. When she arrived, she said, I'm so pleased that you've got my book. Oh. And I'm like, ah, oh, isn't that lovely? But get this, Simon, we had to get her to write the forward. Mm-hmm. She's never written the forward to anything.
2: Right.
0: And I remember sitting in the meeting saying, we we can't get anyone else to write a forward for this book. It's got to be the Queen. Mm-hmm. And we're praying and thinking, and the time's coming because the date is coming. She's got two days in her birthday, but we've got to get it printed. And we're holding out, holding out. Bible Society, of which she was the patron, wrote. She didn't reply. I'm like, and they're like, we're not going to get it. Let's think of someone else. I said, no, we have to hold on. Mm -hmm. If the Queen authenticates it, it changes the book. And I tell you, I met someone in the city of London that was a barrister. And I told him the story. And he said, you may not know this, Roy, but my... Brother in law is the cupbearer to the queen. (laughs) What do you mean? He said that everything she eats and drinks, I'm going to go to him and just tell him he's not allowed. Protocol won't allow him when he has a meal with her a couple of times a week. Two weeks after that, the Queen wrote the forward to this book. Brilliant. It's the only book she'd written a forward to in her entire life. Love that. So what is God thing? Yeah. That, that was so it's been a fantastic ride with hope. But I'm not there now. But that that was what I then stepped into, Simon.
1: Mm-hmm. So there was a Nehemiah cup there to the qu- Queen right there. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> okay so we're coming to your last major chapter thus far tell us about gospel entrepreneurs
0: simon what i discovered over all of this was when i saw use for christ centers flourish or ministry flourish i realized there was an entrepreneurial spirit mm-hmm. in the individual yeah. but it wasn't recognized and the entrepreneur was always for business, but not always recognized in ministry. We probably would have called them an apostle yeah. in a biblical framework, but it's a similar gift mix. Then when we did Hope 08 and we had all these expressions of life around the country, I saw again where it really worked locally. There was an entrepreneur at the heart of it. Yeah. So I just thought, hey, God, in my final season, I want to release 25 to 40-year-olds that are entrepreneurs in business, social enterprise, or ministry.
1: Yeah,
0: Affirm them in the local church and release that entrepreneurial gift because we need it. Yeah. And we need it in the present context of mission and ministry. So for me... I've just put the gospel in there because that's front and center and everything I do has got to be that. But the entrepreneurial gift that some churches struggle with, they're not sure where it fits. I want to put the entrepreneurial gift in there. yeah. And that's what I'm now doing. So we've got about 100 people that are committed, that we've recruited, that we're just investing in and saying social enterprise, church planting, ministry or business, let's release the entrepreneur. But if you're in business, make sure that you hold your discipleship within the way you run your business and the values you put alongside it. So we've got people like Gary Grant giving information on the video series Mm -hmm. and and other people that David Green, who's in the States, that has just put that in. So I now want to, As a legacy, leave a stack of gospel entrepreneurs to see the kingdom come. Now, you don't want a church full of entrepreneurs. That would be a nightmare. (laughs) Seriously. But you want to find the entrepreneurs that are in there and release them to do what they're called to do. Yeah.
1: Uh, you mentioned Gary Grant there. We haven't yet got him on, but he's agreed to come on. And for those of you who don't know him, he is the founder of The Entertainer store, um, which is, I think, still the biggest um, children's toy store in the country. And, you know, bear in mind, Sunday is the best day of business. He's never opened on a Sunday and yet and confounded all, you know, competition and observers in terms of being absolutely, you know, unbelievably successful and holding to his Christian yeah, he's values. Yeah, was part of the
0: video series we did because what, what we did was we produced that to say, people don't always understand how to recognize the entrepreneur. Yeah. So Michael Volland, who was the principal of Ridley Hall, Cambridge, he's since gone on from there to become the bishop. I think he starts next year at Birmingham.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He did this theological backdrop to what it means to be an entrepreneur because he wrote an amazing book called The Minister as an Entrepreneur. Yeah. And he was committed to that. And Gary talks about it in a business. And then some people that run it in prisons, uh, the 43 Trust, and then church planting. So we've kind of caught everyone and someone that's in finance that leaves a legacy in the way they give and generosity. So it's those values that if we get it right for the entrepreneur, we'll really have a kingdom value that will just change everything. Yeah. So that's my dream on gospel entrepreneurs and we set up a new trust for it revelation trust i still serve hope a little bit but that's the new season that I'm in, Simon. Wonderful,
1: brother. Well, I'm not being psychophantic but I absolutely love what you do, and see you, see you very much as a role model and elder brother in it. Basically, that's what we're doing, um, and I'm I'm wired similarly with the entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah, and you in, are. In You're Burundi, one of them. In Burundi, we've got uh, recently through this fantastic wealthy couple, we've got behind a, a startup uh, incubator, really, to to identify other young entrepreneurs in the country, small, medium-sized enterprises to sort of kickstart the economy in Burundi. It's absolutely fabulous. And, and, and people like that could think, well, where do I fit into the kingdom in terms of how I can contribute? Yeah, there's massive contributions to be made. So these these people need to be identified, encouraged, released. And uh, and the impact is just exponential, isn't it? So listen, just I mean, give us a couple of examples from the guys you'd be backing, what they're up to.
0: Well, I think... It's early days, but there's one particular guy who set up a thing called The Way, who has really just looked at a digital social media platform for evangelism and mission. He's been embraced by the Church of England. He's also been embraced by Scripture Union and other people. He's a young lad, 26. (coughs) And he, the impact, so 300,000 people a week a contact in him through social media hmm. and 30000 i mean it's just the figures are exponential but he's just got it and yeah. what he discovered was just conversations on the street putting that on tiktok and those things that i don't fully understand and the yeah. instagram and all that but the the interest, and then people come to faith through that whole digital space. Mm. It's a really exciting initiative to see that flourish and thrive has been so exciting. There's another person that has just set up a small coffee business, and coffee, I mean, everybody loves coffee, Uh, you'd think, my word, that market is kind of taken over. But he's brought alongside it the values around that Mm -hmm. to see that, the way the beans come, the money, and and when you buy, it actually gives back to that kind of – just some great value-based businesses alongside that and two social enterprises that we've launched in Hull – which in the end will be significant businesses. But at the moment, they're just caring for the most vulnerable and unemployable. One guy in Wales, I mean, I could go on, who realized that a lot of these lads were unemployable. So set up a gardening business Mm -hmm. and just getting them to work in the morning has been a challenge. But he put in place a discipleship program for them and then they do the gardening. And he's seen that become a group of believers discipled while he's running the gardening business. Those are the kind of things that I want to accelerate and just say there's new ways of doing this and new models that are just so exciting. So yeah, we've got some great people with some great ideas that are following through.
1: Mm, Beautiful. Hi folks, I'd love you to check out chooselife.org.uk and there you can sign up for a weekly vlog that I'll be coming out with through the coming year journey with us and also there you can buy the book if you haven't got it yet Choose Life 365 Readings for Radical Disciples so why don't you join us on that journey chooselife.org.uk now let's get back to the podcast Uh, listen, as we slowly draw to an end, uh, I don't want to miss out on any Roy Crowley gold. Um, you know, any sort of top tips, DNA that you want to impart?
0: I think I think for me, the top tip is this. God is with you. A story that I've always lived by and live with is Jonathan and his armor bearer in Samuel. Mm-hmm. There's a kind of situation, it's a desperate situation. The Philistines are in camp. There's only one sword between them. And he makes a a profound statement. Now, clearly, God is with him and his armor bearer. And he says to his armor bearer, it may be that God is with us as he goes into battle. Mm -hmm. And he says, if the Philistine at the edge of the camp invites us up, then we're going to see that as a sign from the Lord. Now, If that had been me, I'd need an airplane with the sign on the back saying you're going to be okay, you're not going to die. Hmm. But I think what we need to understand is God is with us and God may be in the idea you have. Mm -hmm. The only way you'll know that is to step out and trust and go for it. And if I was to look at all of my life, That's what I've done every time. And I've got some wise counsel, some good friends. Risk is the river I live in, change is the culture that I love. Um, But it may be that God is in this. Orton Towers, Youth for Christ, Merging with Covenanters, Hope 08, The Queen. It may be that God's in this. I'm gonna push it to the nth degree. And if God comes through, I look back and think, God, you were in that. It was amazing. But even if he wasn't, God's still with you. God's still in you. It's just an idea. It may have been a God idea. It could have been a good idea. If it's a good idea, park it. If it's a good idea, it will flourish and have favor. So what I want to encourage your listeners is if you get that, take a few steps of faith. You never know what god will do all of the entrepreneurs that i've met all of the people that i've spoken to that's where they started that's where it began, and it's amazing and what a ride what a journey we're on with jesus and it doesn't quit i know you said i'm an old boy around the block but you've got to keep going retirement doesn't kind of fit too well in my vocabulary as my wife keeps saying to me but um I just think there's so much more we can do and we should do. So it may be that God's in it. So get a friend alongside you, a Jonathan, somebody who's rooting for you, that believes in it. And you never know what God will do.
1: Love it. Well, you know, may those words... Be literally life-shaping and changing to a number of heroes that take those on board. You can't just go for it. What's the worst thing that can happen? I often preach on, you know, fear of failure is a big blockage to, to taking risks, isn't it? And I think of Jonas yeah. Salk, who who eventually discovered the vaccine for polio. But that was after 200 unsuccessful, you know, experiments. And he was asked, "What did it feel like to fail 200 times?" He said, "I have never failed 200 times in my life. I just discovered 200 200 ways how not to vaccinate for." Paleo, paleo it's just an attitude isn't it and then it's in, true. instead of failures being stumbling blocks they become stepping stones in our journey i think of uh edmund hillary when he tried to climb everest and you know he failed this one time and he shook his fist at the mountain he said um I'll defeat you yet because uh, you're as big as you're going to get and I'm still growing. And then he climbed again and he failed again and he climbed again and he grew and he learned and eventually he got there. And, you know, that's, uh, we we just, you know, God uses every experience where we go for it. And what's the worst thing that can happen? You say, you know, someone says no to your idea or, or, you know, you, you learn something through it. Roy Crown, we are totally cheering you on. I know that you're not going to coast in self-indulgence from retirement to the grave. Uh, (laughs) You'll be flat out all the way. I speak that over you, brother, and uh, keep encouraging me and others cheering you on at a distance. Is there anything, lastly, you want to plug that we can put in the blurb?
0: No, just if you want to go on the site and look at Gospel Entrepreneurs, please do, Um, and Hope is still continuing initiatives as a bigger live initiative next year. But, you know, it's been great to be with you. Uh, if you want to look at the series on what it means to be a gospel entrepreneur, again, that's all on the gospelentrepreneurs.org.
1: Brilliant. We'll put that in the blurb.
0: Fantastic. I feel
1: encouraged, inspired. Man after my own heart. Guys, I hope you have as well. If you have, can you give us a great review on Spotify or iTunes so that more people come across this podcast? And gossip It Pass on your mates. Um, if you are only in touch with me, simongilbo.com. I want to thank Adam Thomas-Steer for the editing, Mike Sandeman for the mixing. Next week, we've got another fantastic guest. In the meantime, go well. God bless you and toodaloo.